Fit Cookie Crumbles mini episode. Should you fast to get faster? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fit Cookie Crumbles series, and today we're going to talk about intermittent fasting and how it affects your running performance, and if it's beneficial, what you might want to think about, and at the end of the day, what I recommend. So like every episode in the series, we're going to start off with the SparkNotes version. If you're like, Holly, I just want to know what you think of fasting, get it over with, <laughs> and then I'll be out of here. Essentially, the SparkNotes version of this episode is that I don't really recommend fasting intentionally on the regular um, if you are a runner and if you're a performance-focused athlete. Um, If you're looking to improve your fitness, improve your time like in the marathon or in the half marathon or 5K, um, I really don't recommend fasting because the research does not support that it is effective, especially when it comes to females and for runs lasting longer than about 30 minutes or so. So spark notes, don't do it. <laughs> if you want to keep listening as to why and some of the nuances to that, I hope you stick around for this episode. So essentially, let's dive into what even is intermittent fasting? What do I mean by that? Um, there's a couple different ways people traditionally have fasted or intermittent fasting. Essentially, it's been around for centuries. Humans have been fasting for centuries, um, even if it's unintentional, like when we're sleeping, for example. But intermittent fasting can be broken down into a couple different types. So there is the 16 to 8 hour window, the 12 hour and 12 hour window, which are time restricted feeding versions of intermittent fasting where you have a specific window that you're allowed to eat during the day and then you're fasting the rest of the time, not drinking anything except for water, and in some cases, black coffee or tea. There's also alternate day fasting, such as um, where you might go 24 hours without eating or you might do five days of eating regularly and then two days of fasting. Essentially, with any of these, um, there are you know, some, some benefits actually in research, um, which is why people, um, kind of are still doing the, the different types of fasting. So essentially, um, let's talk about why I don't recommend it. Um, just to kind of plant the seed here and do a little bit of backtracking. So essentially running, and again, I'm talking, um, about intermittent fasting for runners and endurance athletes. So running is a high impact sport. It's really stressful on the body. Um, Even if you're just going out for a leisurely jog, it's still a high impact sport. You're still hitting the ground with some force, which causes stress on the body. You know, it's also pretty stressful on the body. 
depleted exercise and doing it regularly. It's very stressful. When I talk about stress, I talk about increasing in your cortisol hormone, um, which can cause a lot of different things to happen, such as your appetite to kind of be all over the place, you to be tired, your hormones to kind of fluctuate, um, or menstrual cycles to disappear in females, uh, low libido, poor sleep, belly fat gain. That's what I mean when I say stress. So essentially, um, especially in females, this can really mess with hormones being um, depleted when you go into your exercise. And what we see is that the risks really don't outweigh the benefits when it comes to intermittent fasting and endurance athletes and runners of all levels. So what do I mean by the risks? So I mean the risks are that underfueling can start to happen um, if you are restricted to a certain window that you're allowed to eat. And essentially, underfueling-related issues like injury, um, hypothalamic amenorrhea, which I've talked about in previous episodes, burnout, gain in body fat, loss of muscle mass, um, which decreases your metabolism, can cause irregular eating patterns and appetite fluctuations, um, and also just poor performance in general are what studies show. There are no studies to support intermittent fasting on improving performance in endurance athletes. There are some studies that show that essentially um, if someone is fasting for a long time, they start to use fat um, as energy instead of carbohydrates since you aren't eating any carbohydrates when you're fasting. Um, But those studies show that those athletes who become fat adapted over time, which means essentially they get better at storing fat so that they can use it for energy they don't get any better performance outcomes compared to those who were not fasting and were not fat adapted. So essentially, if you want a super restrictive type of eating and you want to kind of squish all your calories into a certain day, um, you know, you're not really going to get benefit from that. You might be able to perform the same, but I don't, for most people, um, would think that most people wouldn't want to be restrictive just to have the same outcome. You know, usually we're hoping for a benefit. Um, essentially too, most studies show that it's actually not good for performance, that there's negative impact on performance, um, in short term. So essentially any benefits that I talked about. So benefits of being fat adapted as an athlete, there is some research to show that this is a beneficial thing in endurance athletes like ultra marathoners, marathoners and Ironman triathletes. Um, But it still basically doesn't mean that it takes away any of those other risks. You're still at risk for injury. You're still at risk for underfueling related issues, um, burnout. And some people's bodies just don't adapt as well to this as others. So it is a little bit individual dependent. Essentially, some of the benefits in research that do show um, that intermittent fasting can have benefits on longevity um, can can show that your biomarkers may be improved like um, blood pressure and fasting blood glucose and cholesterol levels um, and overall inflammation. But all of these studies that show these outcomes were done mostly on overweight non-athletic men for the most part. And many of the studies were not long-term studies. They were only, you know, one to two months long, which doesn't really translate into me applying that recommendation to general populations for the long-term because we don't see any long-term benefit for the most part. Um, And it's definitely not, you know, 
responsible <laughs> to apply, um, you know, male studied evidence to a female population either, since physiologically we are quite different. The sample sizes for some of these studies as well were relatively small, like 11 people, 20 people, and again, mostly men, um, and they were not in the athletic population. All of the studies on intermittent fasting for the athletic population do not show any benefit to be gained, um, and if anything, show that there are more risks than benefit and that performance is actually hindered. So all of this is to say that essentially, I don't recommend intermittent fasting for runners. Um, I don't recommend it for endurance athletes. I never recommend it for females of any athletic level, whether they exercise or not, just because of the risks associated with female hormones, um, and especially the female tendency to not be great at storing muscle mass anyway. Um, fasted exercise can essentially put them even more at risk for losing muscle mass, which isn't something we necessarily want um, or need help with. What I do recommend in terms of concepts around fasting is that I recommend avoid training fasted. If you're someone who intermittent fasts and you absolutely love it and you feel amazing and your biomarkers are improved because there are certainly people out there who may be like, yeah, no, I really like intermittent fasting and it's really working for me. I'd still recommend for performance benefit and to prevent those risks like injury, burnout, hormone issues, belly fat gain, and some of those risks, just avoid training fasted. So if you can, you know, put your training load during the middle of your day or the middle of your eating window, because essentially we tend to adapt to stress best when we are well-fueled. And for females especially, that means making sure your muscles are really getting that chance to recover with adequate carbohydrate and protein, um, adequate carbohydrate pre-workout, to fuel that workout so it's not fasted and adequate protein and carbohydrate post-workout in order to recover. So I would recommend fueling your training. I would also recommend, you know, again, if performance is your main goal, we really want to avoid calorie deficits at all costs. Um, also, if you have a history of restrictive eating or eating disorders, or if you feel like you're trying to fast or run with the intention of shrinking your body, or if it's coming from any kind of place of feeling not good enough or, you know, not accepting yourself or even self-hatred, I would really recommend working with a professional to help you with your mindset um, and finding strategies and also exercise habits that come from a more positive place. I also do recommend if you are one to find that fasting uh, makes you feel good. Um, I don't have many much problem with people you know, doing like 12 hour and 12 hour fast. So I do recommend typically stopping your eating um, within about two hours before your bedtime, because this in research for athletes and non-athletes alike of people of pretty much all across the spectrum of age and gender and athletic ability, it has been shown to improve your sleep, improve your digestion, because again, we're not eating right before bed. Um, improve acid reflux, and potentially improve hot flashes in um, all people, but women especially who are in that peri and postmenopausal state as well. But I only recommend doing this if you've met your energy needs throughout the first part of the day. So if you're someone where your schedule really doesn't allow you to do that, it's still going to be better for you to get enough food in the evening closer to your bedtime 
than to just cut out um, those calories because that is going to just, again, put you more at risk for those risks that we talked about before. Another note is that we also know that in pretty much all cases, restriction of food intake almost always leads to binging or overeating. Um, And oftentimes the purpose behind the restriction in the first place um, could be weight loss or, you know, affecting body composition or performance. And the outcomes of that, of overeating or binging, are often the opposite of what was intended. So, As far as intermittent fasting goes, while it doesn't restrict any foods or food groups, it does restrict the time eating window that you're quote unquote allowed to eat in. So this is also just an anecdotal side note that I wanted to incorporate because this is something I see often in practice in runners is that they'll wake up, they'll go for their run with with no fuel on board, they'll come home. They'll have like a protein shake or a smoothie or maybe some eggs, and then they'll have like a salad for lunch with chicken, and then maybe an afternoon snack, and then they feel like the rails come off at the end of the day, and they're so hungry. They're kind of tired of making decisions all day, and they eat everything in sight, and intermittent fasting um, can really make that much worse. (laughs) So if you feel like this is you, I do have an opportunity for you at the end of this podcast if you're looking for support. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode on fasting and that you have answered this question. Um, By fasting, you will not get faster. Actually, you will stay the same or get slower for the most part, although there are some um, anecdotal benefits to fasting in the non-athletic population. And for more information, if you want to learn more about the studies that I referenced in very brief summary in this episode, you can check out the show notes. I put the references there to all the studies that I mentioned. And also, if you're looking for a step-by-step process to fine-tune your nutrition for performance gains and also so that you feel at ease and empowered around your nutrition and your food choices, you can also head to the show notes or head over to fitcookienutrition.com slash roadmap to check out my runner roadmap course, which is a step-by-step um, self-paced course that includes my proven process that I take my one-on-one clients through and I've put in self-paced course format so that you have an exact roadmap of how to fuel your body, exactly you know how to implement nutrition strategies to help your performance and reach your running goals and also prevent injuries. And just because you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to give you a discount as well. So all of my listeners, you can use code um, FCN podcast. It's fit cookie nutrition, but an acronym FCN podcast for 10% off. And that is also in the show notes until next time, guys, this is how the cookie crumbles and happy running.